Namaste and welcome to Football and Other F Words. We are on location in Mount Juliet, Europe, uh, in the Herndon household when I had to come out here so I can make sure that we actually got a podcast out. Big Mike, you're with me. Mike Miracles of Music City Miracles. How you doing? I'm back. You, uh, you happy to be back? Yeah, I'm channeling my uh, inner Sam Ellinger, uh, getting ready for uh, some Texas football here uh, in a few weeks. All right, let's get to it then. Uh, We're going to jump right into it. Uh, We're going to be talking about Corey Davis today, and then we are going to be doing a couple of over-unders. And the one thing that we do need to talk about real quick is that we have a Patreon. Please go do it. Patreon.com slash FWordsPod. We are going to be dissecting everything about Mike Clay's projection for the Titans in depth there. We're going to give you a couple of, a couple of a little tease of his over-unders today. Follow us on Twitter at FWordsPod. You can go to and subscribe at the newsletter at FWordsPodcast. Oh, FWordsPodcast.com. Uh, we're on Instagram. Sort of use it, sort of don't. I'm kind of lazy <laughs> that way. Uh, we do have uh, Lindsay Farmer is our first Patreon, and she deserves right. a special shout out. A special Very nice. Shout-out. Yeah. Hold on, let me get the audio. Yeah. All right. Thank yeah. you, Lindsay. And uh, so she'll be uh, one of the a few of the people that will actually get uh, to his- listen to that episode. So uh, subscribe to the newsletter, Twitter. Am I leaving anything out? I think that pretty much covers it. There's a lot of way to uh, interact with us. So, All right. Well, uh, let's get right into Big Mike. Something that's been bothering you, I guess, probably a little bit at the end of the season, in the regular season, all the way in the offseason. And it may bother you the most, the unnecessary and unfounded hatred of Corey Davis. Is that true? The disrespect is ridiculous. It it is one of my biggest pet peeves with... I guess the general media and uh, some some segments of the Titans fan base right now. What what is it that bothers you bothers you the most about it? So it's it's not founded in reality. Like you know, I, I realize that we're in this world of fantasy football and stats and whether or not a guy is a good fantasy player is all that really matters as far as some people's opinion of him as a player, especially at the skill positions. You know, your quarterbacks your running backs, your tight ends, your wide receivers, if you are a you know, desirable fantasy asset, then you must be a really good player, you know, and that's not always true. And people are looking at, oh, he was the number one five or number five uh, overall pick and he had, you know, eight hundred and something yards last year. He hasn't had a thousand yard season yet, and they're saying, Oh, he's a bust, he's terrible. You know, he he's the AJ Brown the take of AJ Brown is going to pass Corey Davis as our number one receiver immediately. That that kind of thing drives me crazy. Well, we listen to Greg Cassell, and Greg Cassell is a big believer in Corey Davis. And I listened to him on 104.5. I know you listen to him as well. What was something that you took away from that segment that you didn't ever think about with Corey Davis? So a lot of what Cassell touched on is stuff that I've been kind of trumpeting from my all 22 reviews on music city miracles and other other places like that it is davis is winning one-on-one battles he he's really good at uncovering against man coverage he beat some of the best cornerbacks uh in the nfl last year i think the biggest thing that i picked up and on and i don't know if 
I honestly can't remember if I did an all 22 on the uh, Titans Ravens game simply because it was so miserably soul crushingly depressing. But he mentioned Corey Davis getting the better of Jimmy Smith in that game, which you wouldn't have thought based on the offensive or lack of offensive output from the Titans offense overall. But Jimmy Smith, one of the better corners in the NFL. Of course, we all know about Corey Davis dog walking uh, Stephon Gilmore uh, in the Patriots game and, and roasting the entire Eagles secondary. So he did put up some really nice performances against top level cornerback competition. And frankly, the first Jaguars game, Davis. He had uh, Ramsey beat several times and, you know, the Titans just weren't able to get him the ball because of quarterback struggles in that game with Gabbard and a severely limited uh, Mariota. But Corey Davis is a bona fide number one receiver to me. What, what I liked about it when he was talking about beating all those corners, he didn't beat them with strength or with speed necessarily. Mm-hmm. It was all about the technical aspects of route running. And to me, that's that's something the Titans have lacked probably since Derek Mason at that position, yeah. uh, a technical route runner. And he's got speed and he's got strength. I mean, we saw him shrug off that Texans defender like it was nothing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we know he's got it. And he's really great after yards at the ca- yards after the catch. But probably the best thing that I heard was his vertical stem. What he the little things that he does to get that separation to let Marcus feel comfortable when Marcus. Uh, is feeling himself to be able to find Corey Davis. So I thought that was a, a was pretty unique. And the thing I was surprised about is that him and PK kind of picked up on the same thing, was that at the point of the catch when his feet leaves the ground, he has to work on coming down with that. Mm-hmm. And PK said that he thought he had been over the summer because he looked like he was doing it in shirts and shorts. Um, do you think that is probably the last big thing to really complete Corey's game I would say so I think I think that and just combined with I think Mariota and you know I don't know how much of it was the injury thing and I don't know how much of it was you know their their connection is still relatively new but if you look at the best wide receivers in the league their quarterbacks trust them beyond the shadow of the doubt you think about like Devontae Adams you think about Julio Jones, those quarterbacks, when they get in trouble, they're looking for that guy. I think Mariota has got to start doing that with Davis because Davis has shown he can win contested catches and he can make you look good on a throw that, you know, maybe maybe the guy's got pretty good coverage and, you know, he can still make a play on the ball. I think he's got to be force fed uh, in this offense this year. I mean, you, you do have other targets now, so you don't have to be you know, completely funneling him the ball on every play. But when when it gets down to it and you need a play, they've got to be looking for 84 in the passing game. The What do you think is, I mean, we're going to be talking about, you know, over-unders here in a, in a, in a few. His role, role needs to be more the boundary X, correct? Because that's what Greg said, that he needs to play the X position more. Why did it take so long to get him into that position later in the season of 2018 you know honestly I don't know why they kind of slow played putting him there now I know during camp there was a lot of work with him basically as your uh, Z receiver your flanker Uh, and, and the nice thing about that and using him in that role is that it did give the uh, Titans offense the opportunity to put him in motion get him some free releases off the line of scrimmage that kind of thing now they may still use him some in that role. I think you will see, like you said, him kind of more 
deployed as the boundary axe on the line of scrimmage. And, you know, that's a tougher position. You've got to be able to win with your releases. And it may have been a situation where they just weren't completely confident in him winning clean releases off the line of scrimmage and wanted to give him a little bit of a head start since he was clearly their best target for uh, much of the year last year. Well, let's let's talk about targets because your your big thing is not volume stats makes a good player. It's the what kind of stats? Which rate is a, stats. Rate stats. Rate stats are what you want to look um, for. What about the rate stats that he had that you think that people are overlooking? So everyone looks at volume. You think, you know, oh, well, he had a thousand yard receiving year last year. Well, that's great and all, but to get a thousand yards, you have to have a, you have to have a certain amount of opportunity. At some point, looking at volume is just looking at how much opportunity a guy got, like a guy that averaged three and a half yards per carry, but got 400 carries is going to have better numbers than a guy that averaged five yards per carry, but only got two yard or 200 carries. Are you subtweeting Melvin Gordon on that? that, uh, (laughs) I am. I am. Yeah. So Melvin Gordon is a volume guy, right? So, uh, volume is a volumes opportunity. And, and to some degree, if you're earning opportunity, you're, you're probably playing well, but what I prefer to look at is rate stats. So what are you doing with your opportunity? What are you doing with, your targets and your receptions when the ball comes to you how do you turn that into value for the offense and davis uh in yards per route run which is one of my favorite metrics for wide receivers it's uh it's a metric that pro football focus uses and it is essentially how much how many receiving yards a guy has divided by the number of routes that he ran in the season and davis was i believe top 30ish i think he was in the uh, upper 20s uh, in yards per route run last year, which is pretty good, especially considering he had such a high target share um, in this offense. And it, it's it's an offense that just didn't throw the ball a lot. You look at the numbers, they attempted 437 passes last year, second least in the NFL. If you took Davis's stats and prorated it to even a league average volume, say, you know, middle of the pack, just split down the middle, this number of pass attempts. If he keeps the same rate statistics, if he keeps the same everything else, he would have got, a, I think, 1,125 yards and probably, you know, five or six touchdowns. So the touchdowns, you'd like to see more. But then again, that's a product of one opportunity. And then two, how many times in the red zone the Titans gave the ball, turn around and give the ball to Derrick Henry, which is great because Derrick Henry's great at converting touchdowns in the red zone, but it's, it is going to make Davis's stats look less than what maybe some other wide receivers get. Like Juju Smith-Schuster, the, or, uh, the Steelers attempted, I think, 650-something yeah, passes last year. really high. It's, all, it's one and a half times, basically, what the Titans did. So... If you look at Juju Smith-Schuster's stats, a lot of people are going to say, well, he's clearly a better receiver than Corey Davis because look at these numbers he's putting up. Well, rate-wise, they're about the same. I mean, they're they're putting up similar numbers, but if the Titans were throwing the ball 650 times, you'd see Corey Davis having 1,400-yard seasons and, you know, probably eight touchdowns. You know, you, you're, you're, everything is relative to the opportunity that a guy is given. What now? Now that we've added weapons and Delaney's coming back and Janu's coming back, and you know you have to think that they're probably going to get Deion Lewis involved as still in the passing game. Um, how many times is Marcus going to have to throw it for? Do you think 
how many times is Marcus going to have to throw it for Corey Davis to put up numbers to shut up the haters? <laughs> I, I think they're going to have to get to a, roughly a league average number. So probably somewhere in the like low to mid 500 attempts range. Um, so if they get to that, I think you'll see the volume statistics. I think you'll see Davis cl- easily clear a thousand yards. I think, you know, you'll see other guys put up pretty good numbers too. I mean, this is an offense that if they do open things up, like I think, you know, pretty much all Titans fans hope that they do. And Mariota is able to stay healthy and they don't have the concerns with, oh, this guy's got nerve damage. We don't want to get him hit this kind of thing all year. I, I think if you start to see them open it up, you're going to see a lot of people's stats just come up just simply due to volume. And it's not necessarily going to be, oh, well, he's finally playing good. It's no, he's still playing really well. He's just getting the opportunity that he lacked in the first couple of years. The, do you think that he will lead the team, not in receptions, but at least in targets? Or do you think that Humphreys or Walker is going to really lead the team in, in targets? If I had to guess right now, I would say targets, you're going to, I think number, Humphreys is going to be number one. Davis will be number two and Walker will be number three. If you, I had to guess, do you think that's a disservice to Davis for him not to be getting all the targets? I don't. Or the majority of the targets? I don't because I think it's a role thing. I think with the slot wide receiver, you're more predisposed to getting the short, quick, easy, quick hitter. So target wise, you might get more, but yardage wise, I would expect Davis to have more yardage than Humphreys. He's probably going to have a much higher yards per catch. And if the guys underneath and over the middle, like Humphreys and Walker, are creating problems for defenses in the middle of the field and underneath, you're going to start to see those safeties creep up a little bit and maybe give Davis some more shots to get back behind the defense and get you know some more home run balls, which would make a huge difference in the offense. One of the things that Cassell said was that Davis was pretty much great on in-breaking routes, mm-hmm. which is routes going towards the middle of the field and that was very obvious in the Patriots game yes and I know we bring up the Patriots game a lot but that's probably the last game I watched because we went to coach Max uh, coaching clinic or whatever it was right. so if he's the boundary X and then just from a, a viewpoint of the quarterback mm-hmm. if he's the boundary X and you have him going on the inside you have Delaney on the inside hump on the inside does that does that create kind of a mess from the viewpoint of the quarterback or is that just a, you know, is that, is that going to hinder Corey Davis's ability with both those two in the middle as well, probably closer to his field of vision? Yeah, it depends. I mean, obviously you could put Walker and Humphreys on the other side of the field and let, let Corey kind of be that ISO guy um, out split wide left. That, that would be, I think what you'll see a, a good bit. Um, and there's certainly combinations that you could run where all three would be featured in the middle of the field. There's uh, one of the plays that we talked about with Bobby Peters a few podcasts ago uh, that was one of their kind of go to plays involved a slot wide receiver, a tight end sitting down kind of in the middle and then Davis running an in breaking route behind them kind of create like a triangle effect in the middle of the field. Uh, which is really designed to target the linebackers and get them teased out in different directions and open up Davis. So I think it can all work together. Um, you know, and I think that complements Mariota's skill set too. I, I think Mariota throws the ball much better towards the middle of the field than he does uh, throwing to the boundary. Well, if they limit his in-breaking route running and try to keep him going on the outside and keeping that open, does 
Marcus have the skill set to take advantage of that early and often, kind of like Matt Ryan and Julio or um, what was Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, you know, the the big one-twos of quarterbacks and wide receivers in the league. Yeah, I think I think Mariota can. The question is, can he stay healthy enough to where they're not limiting him? And, you know, I think last year is so hard to evaluate because of that reason. You've got the nerve issue and it's so hard to tell game to game how really healthy he was. I mean, we also know that he had the broken ribs at one point. He had plantar fasciitis uh, towards the end of the season. So and a lot of those we didn't know about. I mean, the nerve thing obviously is pretty well publicized, but we don't know exactly when he broke his ribs. So we don't know which games he was really cutting it loose and which games may have been hampered due to injury. So he's, he looked great at times. I mean, and and that, that gives you the hope and that kind of gives you that flash of maybe this guy, if he can finally just stay healthy, could really be something special. But then again, it's it's just hard to know, you know, I don't know. Mariota is one of the most baffling evaluations for me of any player I've ever watched in the NFL. I just, I don't know what to make of them four years in and it's crazy. Let's uh, end it on this. Mike Clay put out his 2019 projections for every team uh, back in April, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And I have right here uh, what he said that Corey Davis was going to do. Okay. So this will kind of start our over under game. Uh, We'll go less into the other players, but I wanted to at least give the full board and a full broad spectrum of uh, Corey Davis. Okay. So he said he's going to have 106 targets. Sounds about right. Am I supposed to pick over or under? Over or under or push, I guess. (laughs) Uh, I'll go slightly over. Yeah, I think I'm hoping over. Yeah. 65 receptions out of the 106. I'll go over on that too. Yeah, I think I think he's a lot better than what he put right here. Mm-hmm. This was, I thought, the most baffling part, especially coming off the season they had, eight hundred and sixty four yards. Oh yeah, that's way over. Yeah, it's gonna I, be over. If he's got hundred and six target how many targets did he have last year? Uh hundred and twelve, I wanna say. Yeah, Hang on, I've got it right here. And it was I mean, he was very close to a thousand yards, right? Yeah, he was eight hundred and was it thirty two yards? Yeah. Uh, if my computer would work here. Um, but yeah, I think he's, I think we see a thousand yard season yeah. from Davis if he stays healthy and Mario is reasonably healthy, but even if Mario does not, at least the passing offense isn't completely crippled with Tannehill like uh, it was last year. Five reception touchdowns. Over. Over. I think he's the best red zone target that they've got. I mean, I know Walker's a pretty good red zone target too, but Davis has the leaping ability, and again, we keep bringing up the Patriots game, but the catch that he made in the Patriots game, and it was on a nothing play, just a little short route, that he would jumping, leaping backwards into the air, spinning and, and making the catch full extension. I want to see that in the red zone. I want to see Mario to throw in some high balls in the back of the end zone and letting Davis go up and get it, because I think he has the skill set to do that. So we're looking at 65 for 106, 864 yards, and five touchdowns. That's all over for you. You've yeah. taken over on I'm all I'm going over across the board. Okay, so let's get into a couple of the other players I found interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, touchdown passes for Marcus. He had 16. Oh, God. I'm going to go over. I, I mean, even, even 17 or 18 would still be a pretty bad season, honestly. Um, 
but I think I think we're going to see a little bit of a bounce back. And again, assuming he stays healthy. Yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, every Titans fan should be hoping for the over. Sure. Um, with this offense, he he better have the over because he only has uh 18 total passing touchdowns for both Marcus and Ryan. So if that's Oof. with these weapons, if that's what we're expecting this year, it's gonna be a long year. If if that happens. This year, we're looking for a new quarterback this time next year. Yes. Derrick Henry, uh, 1,235 yards over under. 1,235 uh, rushing. I'm, I'm going to go under, actually. Boo. It's, it's yeah. going to be... It's, I'm, I'm going to go under, but it's like 1,200. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be close, yeah. but I, I'm going to go under. The He has uh, Deion Lewis at 372 receiving yards. Um... I'll probably go over on that. Really? Yeah. I think Lewis is going to be pretty involved in the passing game. I think game. I'm going to go under. I think there's just too many mouths to feed. Yeah, that's a good point. The uh, Adam Humphreys he had at 64 receptions, which is which is one reception less than Corey Davis. Um, I'm going to go over on receptions for him. Okay. I think I'll go... I think I'll push. I think that's about right. Okay. Tajay Sharp, 69 receiving yards. <laughs> over or under? 69 receiving yards. Um, I'm going to go under. <laughs> okay. Oh, you bitch. All right. It's definitely going to be over. Okay. Delaney Walker, four touchdowns. Uh, Over. Okay. I think that's about right for this I, offense. I do too. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Ferkser, 73 yards. Over, baby. Come on. Oh, nine, guy, he Ferk? has him for nine targets only. Oh, the whole year. come on. Uh, I mean, I guess if, if Janu and Walker stay healthy all year, then maybe. But if either one of them go down, I feel like Ferkser is going to have a massive role in the passing game. Be, before we get into uh, busting with the boys, we did. Um, we asked for your questions on the internet. The internet, the, the Twitters, the F mail, yeah. the F mail boxes. Did you full. watch the ESPYs last night? Just I did just not. Wondering. No. When's the last time you watched the ESPYs? I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through. I think I've tuned in for like certain events sometimes, or like certain like an awards or whatever. But uh, I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through. What about you? Yeah, I have never. Um, I, I I think I've watched like a clip, you know, here and there. Uh, I th- if if I watched it, I watched it maybe once, and it was just on at the fraternity house. Yeah, like I don't think it was anything other than that. So let's get to our F mail. Where is our uh, F mail on here? I guess I should have had that ready. Well, Twitter did shut down on us. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, let's let's uh, talk about. I mean, it's like seriously not even on here. Is it is it gone? Yeah. Oh shit. Oh no, I've got it. You got it. Yeah, I've got it. Here, do you want you want to read off mine, or I I can read it. Well, the the questions are mainly to you, so uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, give that to me. All right. Why does Mike? This is from Mister Lebowski at Mister Lebowski. Hello, Mister Lebowski. It was, it was probably written at a, a drunk at an Outback Steakhouse bar somewhere. As all of these questions should be. Why does at Mike Miracles lick his lips and smile at me during the podcast? Hashtag FML. Well, uh, it is because Mister Lebowski, Mike Gillum, never wears pants to the podcast. So, oh, no. how could I stop myself? 
Uh, Sam Drury at Rated D for Drury. My guy. All I want to know is why he doesn't do that for me. Well, it's because he wears pants too much. Okay. Yeah. It's all about the pants with me. Okay, this is from Brandon Slocum, B. Slocum 92. Are you more, less, or equally nervous in Arthur Smith's play-calling ability versus what you thought LaFleur's would be at this time last year? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> so, I, I'll be honest. I've got to say I'm probably more nervous. Uh, simply because last year, putting myself in my my shoes from last year, my mindset from last year, I I think I was pretty confident that LaFleur was going to be a good play caller just because of the pedigree and, you know, the time that he had working with uh, McVeigh in L.A. and, and all that. I thought that was going to work out. Obviously, it didn't work out really very well. But, you know, Smith, as a coach, I think he's very good. But as a play caller, I mean, we just have nothing to base it on. So it's a it's a pretty wide open. I'm definitely more nervous because I was zero percent nervous last year. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. we all thought Lafleur was going to be the thing, and he turned out not to be the cat's pajamas. Yeah, yeah, um, I think we were all pretty much on uh, on the track of yeah, this is going to steamroll the NFL last year. But when I say I'm more nervous, doesn't necessarily mean I'm like sweating and sweating bullets nervous because Arthur Smith has been around. He has survived many coaching changes. There is obviously something there, right? Yeah. I, I feel it, like there's something there that not that many people can miss on one guy. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like I think that's right. And I will say that I think it's more of a mindset change than a reflection of like a lack of confidence in Smith versus LaFleur. I think it's LaFleur last year. I was so bought in uh, that no matter who it was this year, I was going to be less bought in this year because uh, I'm like, yeah, well the guy that was the golden boy last year, let me down. So how much money this is from Jamal at Jamalisms who basically just spammed our uh, <laughs> F how much money would it take for you to agree to wear strongly scented poop cologne for the rest of your life? And it is human poop of the foulest order. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know what? I don't know if I could do it, period. I mean, it's not... You, you would it's get not, used to it, right? I would get used to it, but like my wife. I'm thinking about like my wife. How like, much How much money would it take for Shelby to let you do oh, it? Would you have to get... Would Would all the money have to be given to her for you to do it? Now, can I wear like... Can I wear that cologne and then spray other cologne over it to try I, I to mask so. it? I don't think so. I think you have to smell like that for the rest ah, of your life. Shit. Yeah, so I don't. I don't even know if it's strongly scented human poop cologne of the foulest <laughs> order. I don't even know if there's that much that can ever come off. That's true. I, I would say Shelby. Well, at a certain point, I mean, I guess there's a certain dollar amount where she'd probably be like, "Well, whatever." My husband smells like shit, but we're billionaires, so yeah. I don't know. Maybe a billion dollars. You don't think like a hundred million dollars would <laughs> would swing her? No, I mean, because we're hundred million. Here's, here's the thing. We need to be rich enough that we can buy a yacht and just ride around on the yacht. Yeah. So that sea breeze is constantly blowing to gotcha. keep the shit smell off, you know? Okay. okay. That makes sense. I think, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm under a billion, <laughs> but probably over 500 million. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. Which is the most important to Titan success next year this is also from Jamal offensive play design plus play calling Marcus's health. Walker's health, Henry picking up where he left off, and quality of wide receiver play overall. Mm. 
I'm going to have to go with Marcus's health. I feel like I, I just, and I realize that like Tannehill is a pretty good backup and everything, but I just feel like for this team to finally reach its potential, it's got to be Mariota carrying them. I'm going to go offensive play design and play calling. That was the other one. I could Because tell I think that if we saw last year that LaFleur could get creative, I think mm-hmm. Arthur Smith being around Marcus could get creative or with Tannehill could get creative enough that everything else will work regardless of Marcus's availability. Gotcha. Um, I think most important for the Titans' success to sell tickets or to get fan interest, I'm going to say something, and I think it's Henry. Really? I, I think get Henry mm. started because the chance for Henry will bring in the people that you've lost since Eddie. Yeah. I, I think there's a big correlation there to get Henry going and the defense going to where the t- the fans feel like they're a little bit more involved. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. As much as you know, fans – crave the big passing game and and the fireworks and stuff like that if you had a truly dominant derrick henry and defense i i think team i think fans would get behind that team regardless of of how bad the passing game was okay final question at their this from jamal as well how many typos are are in this actually i think they're all pretty (laughs) uh typed pretty well that's their peak for a single game where does Lawan rank in this franchise's Oilers included LT pe- pecking order left uh, left tackle? How long and how well does he have to play to surpass Ruse or other specific grades when measuring their career? Mm. I don't get really what the first question means because at I think peak. I mean at their peak for a single game. I'm, I mean, don't you think that Lawan maybe is a top three left tackle for a single? He's probably it, had a left tackle single game it it depends it depends on what you consider bruce matthews i think because bruce matthews is the only other one that i would say at his peak was a a, i guess better than lawan and matthews mostly played inside like he he was i think he played maybe a season at tackle or, or maybe two something like that but I'd probably go bruce matthews number one right now with lawan a close second um, where would you rank Lawan? Where would you rank Lawan right now uh, with Ruse? And how long would it take? Because I get, I'm assuming that he thinks that Ruse is number one. Yeah, Jamal thinks Ruse is number one. That, Do, are you under that impression that Ruse is number one of uh, when you look at the career? Career? I I suppose so. Um, you know, I don't think Hopkins was better than Ruse. Uh, I would say, yeah, Ruse is probably, as far as pure left tackles, the top one. Yeah. Um, I would go, I would give it to him. I think Lawan's really close though. Cause I mean, Ruse was really good, but I never felt like he was as dominant as Lawan is at his best and what he's been for these past like three years now, you know? And, and not to knock, I mean, Ruse has been gone for what, four years so it's not that long ago, maybe five years ago, yeah. that um, he saw pass rushers. But I feel like the pass rushers that Lawan sees now are of a different level. Oh, and it takes a no little doubt. bit different. I think he's the most athletic we got. Oh, for that we've sure. ever had. I think Lawan's one of the probably three most athletic offensive linemen to ever play in the NFL. Right, and and I think that I think another good season like he's had for the last few i mean i think that you had to put him in the conversation that he's probably 
one of the best offensive linemen that we've ever had. I mean, he's already kind of in that conversation for me, but I know there still is, you know, he's still got a few more years of being consistent, but he's been very consistent. Yeah. I mean, Roos had, I just looked it up, he had one, one Pro Bowl, uh, one first team all pro uh, and it was the same season yeah um and Luan's now been to three pro bowls in a row without i mean there's no really end in sight for that you would expect him probably the next two or three years at, at least, least just to based on his personality yeah yeah and i mean now that he's he's pretty well known as far as offensive linemen goes so i feel like he's going to continue to rack up pro bowls even if he's kind of borderline deserving um and I mean, I think he's he's a deserving player, though. He's a special, special talent. Well, speaking of Luan, um, he has a podcast with Will Compton called Busty Boys. I think it is Busty Busty, Busty Boys. Busty Boys. And um, <laughs> but with that podcast, and I want to go back to one thing: Are you finally willing to admit that Luan is the face of the franchise? Oh my God. After everything that happened with the NFL draft, with him on the red carpet, him on Good Morning Football, are are you are you with me here that Lawan <laughs> is the face of the franchise? I'm gonna give it to you. Yeah, yes. I think he's there. I think he's yes. there. I think Bayard and Henry are probably the next two. Oh, so you've knocked down Marcus way down. I, I don't see Marcus doing anything. Yeah. I mean, as far as name recognition is concerned, everyone's still probably he's probably still the most recognizable name on the team, but. Taylor one's got to be up there. I yeah, feel like now, Luan, especially now Byard, that Henry. the Vrabel uh, cutting off his dick, letting his wife cut off his dick <laughs> thing, has now been picked up by Barstool and Deadspin. Yeah, it's yeah, going to get going even wide. It's this whole thing, and they picked it up off of PK's right article. Right. Let's 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 throw us a little bit props to PK. Yeah, and he went kind of. I don't know if you listened to Taylor one on midday today. Did you? Uh, I I did not hear the Lawan segment. Unfortunately, yeah. I was on a call at that point. They, uh, PK said, you know, it's a good thing that I did that because you'll get recognized by national. Yeah. And he goes, well, we're the number three sports podcast. And PK goes, well, then why are you begging for subscribers? And he's and he, goes, and he Taylor kind of got talked into a little bit of a circle. Yeah. But well, you always beg P- for subscribers. Yeah. But PK <laughs> did say that. If you want the national media to pick up on it, I'm the guy to get the national media to pick yeah, up on it. And that's true. Barstool and Deadspin, who, and then there will be more, I'm sure, to talk about this. And they're not talking about it in a, I can't believe that someone would say this or something. They're just talking about how, how cool it was. Yeah. I mean, it's hilarious. And how funny it is that an NFL coach is uh, coming out and saying yeah, that. I mean, and, and letting his wife do it. And he's yeah. basically giving advice on, they're <laughs> drinking, I think, whiskey or bourbon, whatever yeah. Buck brought. Yep. And uh, he's like, you know, I've been married for 20 years. I ain't using it anyway or something like that. Yeah, you know. He said uh, they asked what 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 would Jen, his wife, say if uh, he came home with like a bag of ice? And he was like, oh, I'd probably walk in and she'd be like, well, do you want me to do it for you? Like, when can we when can we get this done? Yeah. I mean, this is it's a great podcast. Busty it Little is. Boys is it's amazing. so good. Those Busty Boys are yeah. funny. Um, But. Who who do you want to see on there next? I want to see Mariota. Now, I know Mariota's kind of a wet blanket, like, personality-wise, but I feel like if anybody's going to get him to be natural and relaxed, it's going to be Luan You don't think it would be us? You don't think we could get him? <laughs> <laughs> I think we would hear a lot about, like, his spam and Nike sponsorships yeah. and uh, that kind of thing. But I, I think you'll... 
get the most relaxed and like authentic version of Mariota from being on the bus. I, I hope he goes on there. I'm, I'm going outside the Titans, and I think Gronkowski's got to get on there. Oh, God. I think that wild. would be the craziest <laughs> podcast. It, it would be wild. Have you seen uh, Gronkowski's skinny ass now? Yeah. Like, he has lost so much weight. It's, someone should have been drug testing him every yeah, year. Yeah. I mean, my gosh. He's he, gone he will like, never be a WWE wrestler now, though. Right? He's yeah. way too skinny. He should have kept the, uh, the bulk. Yeah. Well, that is it. For us here at Football and Other F-Words, we are going to get into probably about 10 minutes into uh, little Mike Clay projections for all of our Patreon users, patreon.com slash F-Wordspod. Follow us on Twitter at, at F-Wordspod. Instagram's the same. Other than that, I think that's it. I think that's it. All right. Well, I'm Zach, and he's Mike, and this has been Football and Other F-Words. And you just got effed. Busty boys. Those busty boys. Those busty boys are crazy. <laughs> Wild. The uh, <laughs> Lawan or Vrabel uh, just tossing like grenades at Compton the entire time Compton. was amazing. We need to have him back on the podcast uh, so he can get away from all this abuse. Yeah, we need to we need we need to build our boys' confidence back up. Yeah.